No. <clears throat> Just joking. Well, as the video uh, presented, uh, we're going to be talking about the Great Commandment. We started this last week and uh, um, starting off the new year with a, a look at our, really our, what we call our mission statement, which is living the Great Commandment, fulfilling the Great Commission, and kind of digging into uh, a little deeper what those uh, very familiar um, passages uh, are all about. <clears throat> if you join with me in a word of prayer. Father, we ask that Your grace would come. Lord, You've promised to be in our midst when we gather together in Your name. So we believe that You're here, Jesus. You're literally, in a very real uh, way, uh, You're present in our midst. And so we honor Your presence and we give, uh, uh, we give You our full attention. And uh, Lord, we ask that You would uh, call our spirits to come alive in You and call Your Word to come alive in us. That we would be transformed as we behold your law. And we thank you for this privilege, this honor uh, to, to, be, to learn uh, from your word and to, to be entertained by your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, well turn to Matthew 22, verse 36, <clears throat> which is the uh, text for the great commandment. Uh, again, this is a very familiar text, but it's not taught on a lot. And often I think we just assume people understand it. Um, yet Jesus said it is the first and most important. The first and great commandment went into that and the meaning of that last week. He <clears throat> says, Teacher, what is the great commandment of the law? So uh, one of the uh, people that were in Jesus' midst asked him this question. What is the great commandment of the law? And Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. <clears throat> and then in Deuteronomy um, uh, 6, uh, 4 through 9, Jesus is actually quoting an Old Testament uh, uh, passage, uh, and it was something that Moses had recorded uh, literally uh, thousands of years uh, uh, before uh, and uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, um, and was the basis, uh, this passage in Deuteronomy is, is really the creed of Judaism, and it's, it's one of the most important verses in the Judaic faith in the Old, in the Old Testament. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these which, which I command you today shall be in your heart. And it goes on and says you shall teach them to your children. And, and so Jesus is just reaffirming uh, to be the most important. The first and great commandment is something that was already fully ingrained into the Jewish uh, culture and community that He was living in. He was re-emphasizing, saying nothing's really changed, although He did teach it and communicate it and call us, as He did with all of the law, to live this in a, a new or more full way. <clears throat> and one of the things... Um, to, uh, Adam, could you uh, bring over the, the dry erase or the marker board? Uh, one of the things you'll notice is that there's a little bit of a difference between Matthew's uh, quotation when Jesus uh, says it in Matthew, <clears throat> you should love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And then in Deut Deuteronomy, thanks man, <clears throat> I'm going to use this in just a minute. In Deuteronomy it says, uh, in the Old Testament it says, you should love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Um, and uh, 
I mean, from a from a resource uh, book, it says, in quoting the commandment in Matthew, uh, has substituted thy mind for thy strength, as being especially important to spiritual love. And it goes on and says, uh, whereas the Septuagint, uh, the mind is substituted for the heart. <clears throat> now, for those of you who don't know, the Septuagint uh, is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. All right, it's a very important document. It was done between the third and second centuries B.C., and uh, I believe it was seventy uh, scholars worked together for many, many years, um, painlessly uh, uh, translating from Hebrew into Greek uh, the Old Testament. And it's from that Greek translation, along with um, uh, Hebrew translations, uh, that we understand the original, uh, what was originally written. And we draw a lot from uh, that Greek translation, because it was done by Hebrew scholars. And so there's a variation in the wording, because in the Septuagint, uh, it translated the Hebrew um, uh it uses uh, in the Hebrew, I mean, obviously, switch these around. <laughs> uh, mind is substituted for the heart. The word mind is substituted for the heart. They just translated the Hebrew her heart because the words can can kind of mean both, depending on how you uh, emphasize them and, and the context they're in. All right? And then again, we have in Mark and Luke the same uh, teaching. Jesus is, repeats it in Mark and Luke. We're going to look at those. Uh, in Mark uh, chapter 12, verse 30, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. So in Mark, and then again in Luke, it says, So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And uh, your neighbor as yourself. So in Mark and Luke, we have all four of the the words included. <clears throat> uh, so both what we find in Matthew and what we find in Deuteronomy, it's just an expansion on. They're using two words to kind of describe. It's very difficult to take one word in one language and translate it into one word into in another language because sometimes they have deeper meanings. <clears throat> the important. What's important about everything I just said? This is a test. No. Huh? It means it all. It means every all of you. The important part is to understand that we are to love the Lord with our entire being. Okay? All of us. Heart, mind, soul, strength. Our whole being is to be in love with God. There is no part that is exempt from the command to love Him. Okay? There's no part of us that is exempt from that. We're to love God with every part of us, and every part of us is to love Him entirely. Think about that for a moment, please. Alright? Don't write that off and say, of course. That's what it means. We love God with every part of us. And every part of us is to love God completely. Try to ingest that and get it down into what does that mean. Okay? It means that there is to be no fracturing, no division, or no competition for our love. Okay? So our love is not to be fractured up 
divided up. This amount of love for this, this amount of love for that, this amount of love for that, and portioned out, portioned control, divvied up. That's, that's not what this Scripture means. The Scripture is that we are to love God with all that we are, and every part of us, every aspect of our being, is to be in love with God wholly or completely, completely consumed, 100% in love with God. And when each, each of the different aspects of us are in love with God completely, then, and really only then, can we in total be in love with God. The reality is, in many people's lives, if not everyone's lives, we say we love God, yet there are parts of us, aspects of us, let's say behaviors that we do, thoughts that we think, words that we say, that do not demonstrate love for God. Alright? But we're commanded to love God with our whole lives. And, and the, our love for God is to be the compelling force, the compelling force in each aspect of our lives. Whether it be our mind, our soul, our heart, our strength. What's underneath? What's pushing us forward? What's driving us? What makes us get up in the morning? What, what is the motivating factor in every aspect of your life, is it the love of God? Is it what you're being drawn to and is it what's pushing you forward? And if it's not, then I would ask you, is God, are you loving God completely, 100%? <clears throat> I'm going to try to combine this in with, with how this works with the rest of your lives. But this is clearly what the, uh, the, uh, the essence of the great command is, that we're to live in such a way because that's the way Christ lived. lived. And when we live in such a way that the love for God is, is primary or it compels, it's, it's, every part of us is in love with God, then we're really being Christ-like. Alright? <clears throat> then we're being Christian. One uh, commentator says that the demand with all the heart excludes all half-heartedness. That's obvious. <laughs> it needs to be said. You can't love God half-heartedly. He's worthy of your whole heart. Okay? And so loving God half-heartedly is not loving God. Alright, it's compromise. All division, the commentator goes on, all division of the heart, <clears throat> okay, uh, the demand with all the heart excludes all half-heartedness and all divisions of the heart in its love. The heart is mentioned first as the seat of emotions and is generally, and ge uh, a seat of emotions generally and of love in particular. You know, this is same command is repeated elsewhere throughout many, many times throughout Scripture. I'm just going to read a couple of them. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require? So this is what God requires. But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord uh, and His statues, which I command you today for your good. 
So Moses was re-emphasizing it. Listen, this is what God requires and it's for your good. And, and, and the core of it is that it's all motivated out of love. Or Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1 puts it this way. It says, Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God and keep His charge, His statutes, His judgments, and His commandments always. <clears throat> love the Lord your God and keep all of His commandments. Alright? Love precedes obedience. In other words, all right obedience must proceed out of love. Okay? Are you hearing me? Anybody home this morning? Anybody here this morning? Anybody awake? We need some more coffee? Alright? In other words, you can obey, but not love. Alright? You can do what you're told, but inside be as rebellious as Satan himself. Okay? That's not love, is it? Alright? He desires mercy, not sacrifice. He wants relationship. It must come. Love must precede. It comes before obedience. And our obedience must proceed, come forth out of that love. Alright? We love God, and because we love Him, we're caught up with uh, who He is and what He's done for us, that we respond through obedience. Okay? Uh, and it compels us <clears throat> to do what He asks us to do because we're motivated out of love. Another commentator writes, What is meant by love? <clears throat> An ancient author of a, of a, of an old dictionary, a lexicon, in the late French King's Library, has the following definition for love. <clears throat> so, it's written by a Frenchman. It's gotta, gotta mean more. Right? Talking about love? Well, I don't know. <laughs> At least they think so. <laughs> okay, this is what an ancient author, uh, is quoted in a book written a couple hundred years ago. <clears throat> says, a pleasing surrender of friendship to a friend. Huh. That's meant by that, the original word. That's one, one meaning of it. A pleasing surrender. In other words, you surrender out of relationship and you're pleased to do so. It's not something you're forced to do, but you do it out of love. Alright? It goes on, an identity or sameness of soul. Wow! You have an you identify so closely with God. This is what it means to love God with your whole heart. You identify so closely that you respond out of that. You identify or sameness of soul. Your inner being is so alike that you want to be just like. Him, <clears throat> a sovereign preference given to one above all others, present or absent. In other words, you prefer God sovereignly and you give Him preference whether you see Him or don't see Him, present or absent. In other words, His preference, preferring to Him, doing things His way, you do whether or not you're consciously aware of His presence or not. Whether or not anyone else happens to be in the room, you're going to do what you know would please Him because you love Him 
more than any other thing. That's what it means to love God with your whole heart. Apply this definition to the love which God requires of His creatures and you will have the most correct view of the subject. Hence it appears that by this love, the soul eagerly cleaves to, affectionately admires, and constantly rests in God. I like that. That definition. Alright? So, <clears throat> when we love God with our whole heart, it means that we eagerly cleave. It means we cling to Him. Alright? We separate ourselves from other things and cling to Him. Uh, uh, eagerly! Not reluctantly. That we affectionately admire. So we have this admiration born out of affection. <clears throat> and that we constantly rest. So all of those... Those uh, uh, nuances are in the original language that what this phrase actually means. That there's rest, but there's also affection and admiration. And there's an e eager clinging to. Uh, we constantly rest in God, supremely pleased and satisfied with Him as its portion. That acts from Him as its author for Him as its Master, and to Him as its end. Alright? So that means that we act, our actions, our, our attitudes, our behavior, our lifestyle, our words, everything about us uh, should be from Him as our author. He is the author and finish of our faith. For Him as our Master and Lord, and to Him as our end. In other words, our whole life is po pointing toward the consummation to when we we see Him face to face. Okay, if that's a reality, then that should be reflected in how you live your life. All right, uh, <clears throat> it should it should be demonstrated. God, uh, He loves God with all His heart who loves nothing in comparison of Him and nothing but in reference to Him. Talk about that just a little bit more in a minute. Who is ready to give up, do, or suffer anything in order to please and glorify Him. Who has in His heart neither love nor hatred, hope nor fear, inclination nor aversion, desire nor delight, but as they relate to God and are regulated by Him. <clears throat> Thank you, Kathy. I will. <laughs> what does it mean to love God with your whole heart? It means he who loves God, he or she, who loves God with, his, with all his heart, who loves nothing in comparison to Him and nothing but in reference to Him who is ready to give up, do, or suffer anything in order to please and glorify Him, who has in his heart neither love nor hatred, hope nor fear, inclination nor aversion, desire nor delight, but as they relate to God and are regulated by Him. Okay, so every aspect of your life comes in to agreement with your love with God. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this. <clears throat> what does it mean? No, loving nothing in comparison of Him. That simply means 
that's probably the easiest to understand. That there's nothing in your life that you love or desire or have affection that compares uh, to the measure uh, uh, by which you love uh, the Lord God. That there's nothing on the same level of love or the love of God that you have operating in your life trumps every other uh, love. And just to display this simply, <clears throat> I'm not going to use words, this, oops, this should be easy to, to understand because everyone understands charts and graphs, don't we? <laughs> I know, some people like them, some people don't. So let's just say, <clears throat> this represents the, the measure of love, uh, and this represents the object of your love. All right, so how much love? All right, and you might love, you know, sports <clears throat> this much, and you might might love, <clears throat> you know, um, spouse that much. <clears throat> okay, you might like all your stuff <clears throat> this much. Okay, <clears throat> but uh, and you fill in the blank, whatever it might be, comfort, pleasure, um, self. Uh, basically, this is saying is that in comparison with everything else, your love for God has to be way up here. Okay? That nothing is on the same level as your love for God. Alright? There's nothing that even comes close. Alright? And you determine this, how do you know how much you love things? Is it by how you feel? Nope, it's not. Feeling's important. Love should generate feelings. But you can't depend on your feelings to generate love. Alright? Because <clears throat> feelings are a complicated uh, uh, dynamic. You're, you can determine what you really love by looking at your acts. What you do, how you behave, what you say. Alright? Your words and your thoughts. Okay, all of those things flow from your heart. Jesus said, For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But uh, to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So it's out of the heart proceeds evil acts. Alright? And so if there is evil things... All right. Well, I haven't killed anybody. Well, Jesus said if you hate someone, that's equivalent to killing him. All right? <clears throat> if you call somebody an idiot, it's worthy of being sent to hell. Jesus said that, not me. All right? You come under judgment just by thinking that. Where does that come from? Well, it's because he did this. And... No, it's not because he did or she did. It's because it's in your heart. Out of the heart. All these things proceed. All right? You want to evaluate where your love for God is on this. Look at your actions. Look at your words. Look at your thought. And change them. Alright? Allow God's love to come in and trump every other thing. <clears throat> How about this statement? It says, Loving nothing but in reference to Him as they relate to God or are regulated by Him. Wow! Well, it's kind of easy to understand how we can measure in how, uh, that our love for God must in compare and be greater 
But what does this mean that we love nothing but in reference to Him as they relate to God or are regulated by Him? Let me put it another way. Our love or our affection, our desires, and if you take this quote that I read, even the things we are averse to and the things we hate or fear, all of those things must be in relationship or in reference to God or our love for God. Alright? All of that... When our love, affections, desire, value, even our refusal of love, the things we hate, the things we're averse to, things our dislikes, all of it must be in reference or as they relate to or are regulated by our love for God. This means that our relationship with everyone and everything must be mediated by our love for God. Okay? What does a mediator do? You know when you sign something that you agree to mediation instead of, uh, have you ever signed something? And it says that you agree that before you take them to court, you will submit to mediation. Does anyone know what mediation means? Have you signed that line without knowing what the word meant? (laughs) Anybody know what mediation means? Say it out loud. A go-between. Okay? A go-between. It means that you're going to equally submit to someone that will negotiate a settlement outside of court. And they do that so that they don't get into some long legal battle. Hey, let's just sit down and agree to something. So so whatever uh, disagreement you have is mediated by a third party. Well, this is saying that if we love God more than everything, if our love for God, if we love God with our whole heart, then that love is going to mediate our love or even our dislike, our relationship with every other aspect, every other love. Okay? Uh, We see our relationship with everything in relationship with our relationship with God. So your relationship with cars or your relationship with your spouse or your relationship with your job or your relationship with people you work with or relatives, you see all of that in relationship with your relationship with God, with your love for God. Does that make any sense? Alright? So your love for God, you know, there's a saying that says, you know, faith is personal but it's not private. The world is demanding that you keep your faith private. That is actually what the, the source of all cults. When faith becomes private, it becomes dangerous. Alright? Faith is to be personal, but not private. It's a personal relationship with God that you share, that influences every relationship you have. That's where it's, it's actually open to see and not hidden and cloistered so weird things can happen. But open and see so that everyone can see and that it affects every other, every other relationship you have. Alright? Isn't that the way true love works? Okay? Isn't that, I mean, when you fall in love with someone, don't you want Everything that you feel love or you like, all your likes and dislikes, don't you want to share them with that individual? And don't you want to share in everything that they love and they're a part of? Yes? Yeah. That's what true love. And God just wants you to be truly in love with Him. 
Alright? And so that everything, everything that you have, you share with Him or you bring it in to that relationship. That's the level of intimate relationship that God desires of, of us. And so this idea of that our love needs to be in reference. <clears throat> let's let's uh, depict this visually as well. How many like visual depictions? Yes. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> so, <clears throat> this is you. This is some other thing, right? Uh, a person or object. <clears throat> and this is Christ. And so, you have your choice. You can re- relate to that thing <clears throat> in, in, in directly and have a relationship. And you can say, oh, and I love God. Right? And I, and I, and I hate this person and, and, uh, this, this other thing is very important. And so you have all these different parts of you and you could describe all oh, of my love for God is, is bigger than everything. And, and, you know, I really love my, my, my family, my wife, but it's, of course it's not the same, but it's distinct, see? Alright. And the question is, um, if you, if you just X out one of these, and one of these disappear, can this love still continue as is? Well, yeah, it can. You know, because this was something distinct. It was separate. And so, this love is, is, is separate. It's a separate relationship. And God says, that won't work with me. That's not loving me with your whole heart. Alright, that, that would mean that if you get rid of me, well, you can still have a nice love relationship with your spouse and everything goes on good. That's not, that's not Christ love. Alright? That's something less. That's religion. Alright? God won't settle for that. Alright? It's not good enough. And the reason is, it's, is because your real love requires more than that. One, you don't have enough to love that person completely. You need this. Because without God's love, you're not going to really have the right relationship with anything else. Alright? And so, instead of that, I have another picture. <laughs> All right. Everything. Uh, the other idea is that, <clears throat> well, you could say, let's let's have it related. So instead of loving this one, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to God, and then He's gonna mediate my love for for that person, or or what's Jesus's opinion of this? <clears throat> and so I'm constantly going back and forth to God, and that's that's moving in a better direction, but that really doesn't doesn't adequately depict our relationship and how, how all of our love must be uh, uh, viewed and interacted, even the things we dislike within our relationship with God. And I think the best way to, to see this is, a, is really a whole different way. Uh, <clears throat> in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, it says, You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Alright? Your life is hidden in God. So what this means, really, to love God, is this is you, and this is God. Alright? And then, you have these other aspects. Alright? That you can relate to. And so... In order to get to anything, in order for anything to get to you, it comes through Christ. In order for you to get to anything, 
It goes through Christ. Because your whole life is in God. You're hidden with Christ in God. And so, He must mediate relationship because there is no life apart from God. You can't be found outside God when you're completely hidden in God. Does this make sense? And this means all of you is within God. Alright? And and what happens is people live life with parts of us hanging outside of God. Alright? And God says, get rid of those things. They don't belong in Me. They make you uncomfortable in My presence. I don't need them. You don't need them. Surrender that part of your life to Me and you'll love more. You'll be able to love your spouse more, your kids more, your job more, even your stuff more. You're right. Because you'll see it as a gift from your loving Father. Right? Anything less than that is loving with a divided or fractured heart. A broken heart. And Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Right? And so He wants to heal us up so that we can love, so that there's nothing that competes or is in comparison to His love. And everything that we have relationship, we have relationship in, uh, to it through Him. It's, it's, it's <coughs> regulated uh, uh, through Him. It's related through Him. Anything outside of that is idolatrous. It's possessiveness. <coughs> it's being controlled or being controlling. But when we're consumed by His love, when we're in God, then He's in control. And we can love with abandon, without limit, because we're loving Him most of all and everything we love through Him. And so, <clears throat> what I challenge you to do is identify what in your life competes with your love for God. Okay? Because there's stuff competing for your attention, for your heart. What thoughts, actions, or words may reveal a divided heart? And how can those things be brought into reference? How can they be related to? How can they be regulated? How can they be brought into God? Alright? And there's ways, and I could talk for hours about how, in each different one, uh, probably uh, requires a different process to bring it into um, so that your relationship with it or them is actually part of uh, your relationship with God. But that's the challenge. Identify it clearly, easily to be identified if it's ungodly. It's not coming out of Him. And then submit it. Bring it to Him so that your whole heart, all of your passions, all of your desires is in love. With him, and that's how you fulfill the great commandment. There's uh, Adam with some announcements. <clears throat> Thank you.